I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible Thanks for Asking. When we've talked about autism on this show before, we've talked to the parents of autistic children because parents are honestly just much easier to contact than children, with good reason. Also, parents listen to our show, not children, with the exception of Gus. Gus, you know who you are. It's Phyllis Fletcher's son. I love that Gus listens. Hello, Gus. We love your mom. But we've heard from a lot of you, from a lot of our listeners, um, asking us to speak to an autistic adult and let them tell their own story. What a great recommendation. So that's what we're doing today. Because, yes, autistic kids grow up to be autistic adults, and all the stats in the world can't tell you about what that experience is like. But Cynthia can, and you're about to meet Cynthia. Cynthia's sister, Maggie, is a terrible thanks-for-asking listener, and Maggie sent us a message after our Come Meet Drayden episode, which is such a good episode if you haven't heard it yet, and the message basically said, my sister is autistic, you should talk to her, and I thought, sure, yeah, let's do it. So we all got on an internet call together, and what you're going to hear is the lived experience of a Latina woman with autism. It's her experience alone, which is just her experience You may sometimes hear her sister Maggie's voice, but otherwise, it's just Cynthia. And a quick note to say that we make this show most often with just regular people recording in their homes, which means the audio quality isn't always what we had when we were in studios, and we know it, and we're doing our best, which I know you know, but let's just say it out loud. So, here we go. Okay, so Cynthia... uh, Tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in Garden Grove, California. What was the best thing about growing up there? Um, Playing with my friends, well, the friends that I had, and going to the pool. I don't know, just like, we would just play all the time. Just play and play and play all day, every day. Oh, God, I miss being a child. Mm Yeah, the kids are now, we don't do that. We never, like, were on our phones or our iPods, none of that. We would, like, play outside all the time. Yeah. What uh, what did, what did kind of games did you guys play outside? Uh, jump roping. We would play tag, hide-and-seek. Um, we'd go swimming in the pool, do racing, uh, run a lot, be on scooters, uh, use our Healy shoes. <laughs> Remember those Healy shoes? Yeah, I do. <laughs> no. Oh, God. You had wheelies? I wasn't allowed. Yeah, Heelys. My dad bought us the Heelys, and we played dolls. Uh, we would do sleepovers. I mean, the kids nowadays, like, it's like, wow. It's crazy. I know. They're just, like, staring at rectangles in their hands. It just makes me want to scream. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And I'm like, dang. Cynthia is the baby of the family. She grew up near her cousins, and they were all really close. They played together. They had sleepovers. How did you feel about school when you were little, like elementary school? Well, it was fine. I mean, it was like, oh, just the days were like, I was so little. So I grew up like in elementary school when I was little. How was it? It was like fine, I guess. It was fine. It was always good, but I'd always like, I don't know, like, when I was little, I was always, like, I wasn't a good kid, so I was, like... Did you say I was or wasn't? I was not a good kid. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, I was a kind of a bully. (laughs) And then... How? Like, I don't know, but just always, like, I was always had friends, and, like, 
I don't know. It's weird how things turned out. Would you hit them? I wouldn't hit people, but out kids, but like, I'd always like be friends with the people that were the bullies. Like, kind of, I guess. Like, the kids, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I think I, that's a kind of a survival skill in yeah. some ways. I think every kid goes through And it that. went like that a lot through elementary school and junior high and high school. So pretty much all through school. Growing up, what did you know about autism? Growing up, I really, like, I was too little to know. But it was weird that everyone was kind of, like, normal. Not normal, but, like, was, like... Nobody, like, was doing, like, the habits that I was doing, so, like, all the kids weren't jumping up and down and doing ha their hands, like, to their, to their chin or, like, touching their face or rocking back and forth. So that's why I thought it was, like, that was a little different than other people, than the other kids. For example, she had this habit where... She would um, put her hands together, squeeze them, and then she would, like, put her hands together on her chin, like, pushing them towards her chin. And we started noticing, and actually in her school pictures, that it started taking a toll. Uh, we started seeing her chin, like, kind of get crooked because she was doing it so much. And, like, she would ask, you know, like, yeah, you know, when my hands hurt, my chin hurts and like what am i supposed to say you know we'd just be like well just try to stop doing it my mom told me i ran away once that i opened the window in my room and like ran off and wasn't home so my mom's like oh my god like what am i gonna do do i have to call the cops because she can't be found so then my mom was like crazy, crazy looking for me. Do you remember that? No. That's the thing I don't, things like that I don't remember. But then my mom found me walking with an old woman, right, May? Yeah. She found me walking back home with an old old woman. And the old woman was like, hey, is this your daughter? Like she's been walking around the street. <laughs> and that's when my mom was like, oh my God, we have to have Cynthia like, I have home all the time. How old were you when you found out you're autistic, Cynthia? Um, I was around like 12 when I found out. 12 because I saw another kid doing the same habits, but he was rocking back and forth. And I asked my mom, so I was like, oh, he has something. I'm like, that's the same thing that I do. So I was like, oh, he has autism, doesn't he? So my mom like had to tell me that I had autism. That's when I, like, I was about 11 or 12 when I really, like, knew that I had autism. How did you feel when you heard that? What did, what did it mean to you? Well, I don't know. I just felt like, oh, autism, oh, I mean, it's like any other, it's, I don't, I really was like, oh, wow, like, that's shocking. But I already knew that I kind of, like, was, had something other than other people didn't, but I was like, Oh, wow, that's crazy. Finding out that I have autism, but I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, crazy. <laughs> You're just shocked. I was just shocked. I was surprised. I was, I was just shocked. I felt shocked. 
Maggie, what did you think when you heard that? I remember we were at a hometown buffet. And oh, yeah, I that <laughs> yeah. that's the time we were, I found uh, out. Yeah. yeah, so she did notice someone do the same, like, just, well, you know, like flapping their hands. And she noticed that and she brought it attention to me and my mom. And I remember, like, <laughs> I stopped eating. I didn't know what to, like, I was in shock because she pretty much caught it on her own, you know, like we didn't even have to tell her, like she figured it out. And I just kind of made eye contact on my mom and I was like, it, it's time, you gotta, you gotta say something. And she told her, yeah, that's, he does the same things as you. Yeah, you know what, you're special. You know? And she kind of was just like, why? Like she kept asking and we're like, yeah, you know, you're just, you're special. But I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, like, I feel like now that she knows, I felt a little relief, actually, because I always had to tell, like, my friends, like, hey, you know, my sister, she's on the spectrum, and just don't tell her. She doesn't know. <laughs> like, But now I've, I definitely had a sign of relief. Tell me about that relief. Ugh, like, she knows. Like, I kind of don't need to hide anything from her anymore. We'll be right back. We're back, and we're talking with Cynthia. Cynthia found out about her autism when she was 12 years old, but she was diagnosed when she was a toddler. My mom, my dad thought I was deaf because I wouldn't socialize with anyone. I was always by myself. So my mom and my dad took me to a doctor named Dr. Lott, and then that was when he diagnosed that I was autistic. So I was diagnosed at three years old, so around that time. And that was when my mom took me to the Hispanic group at three years old. This group was a big part of Cynthia's life growing up. It was a support group for Latino kids with autism and their parents, and she loved it. She loved it even though she didn't even know she was autistic. She loved it so much, she even volunteers there now as an adult. I had a lot of ABA therapy when I was little. So, like, I had... Gap. Yeah. Applied behavioral analysis. What does that mean? I think it means like to. I kind of. I don't. It's hard explaining it because I've had it when I was little. But trying to like teach the the autism person, the autism children or adults, to like be independent and try to like know how to do things on their own, and teach them like. For example, when I was little, they taught me how to make the bed. Like taught me how to count numbers figurative language, like figurative speech, or um, taught about the 50 states in the U.S., but I forgot now, but I was like, wow, it was so long ago. But like trying to like know how to tie my shoes um, or are like grooming me or no? Yeah. They, they, they taught me that? Mm-hmm. They taught you how to brush your teeth. Oh, so try to brush my teeth, like brush my hair. Because, like, my mom was like, oh, my God, how do I handle this little jumpy, hyper person? <laughs> so, like, they taught me, like, things that will help me, like, learn how to be independent, like, live on my own. 
I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And when I have like tantrums, bad tantrums, in general, like they try to like calm you down. Like if you really have a tantrum and you're like throwing things and you're throwing yourself on the floor, like the therapist will like go on you and just like be on you until you can breathe again and calm down. And that's what I think it is. So I think that's what it is. A note here that many people experience ABA very differently than Cynthia. Some people experience it as abusive or as a form of conversion therapy, forcing the autistic person to comply with neurotypical behaviors. But Cynthia had a good experience with it, and she found it helpful. Cynthia, when did your parents get divorced? I remember that day, very day that they got divorced, too. Uh, like, it was around the end of May. It was a really hard, hard night for me. It was hard. Tell her. I was like, it's still... Oh, my God. She's just saying, like, a couple stuff you remember from that. I remember everything from that night. Like, everything. Everything. They separated because my dad cheated on my mom. (laughs) I don't know. Like, my dad was not a good husband, but he was always a good father. Like, before, when they were together, he would always, like, get to the house really... Um, not really sober. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's, it's, a, it's hard to talk it's about It's okay. It. Yeah. So he wasn't sober? No, he was clearly not sober. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, okay, keep going. <laughs> and then my dad was just, like, saying, like, out loud, like, oh, my God, this and that. <laughs> I don't know, saying, like, bunch of arguing. stuff. Arguing with my mom. And then my mom was, like, arguing. Like, was she arguing back? I don't remember, but I know he was. And maybe she was too. And I just had enough of them arguing. So I ran downstairs, like went downstairs. And like I saw my dad uh, drinking a gallon of milk. And my mom was sitting there just crying. And then Maggie was with her. And then my dad was apologizing to my mom. Like, I'm sorry, like give me another chance. I'm so sorry. And my mom just had enough and said, no, like, she's like, no, like, I can't. She's like, no. And then I was like, why not, mom? Give him one more chance. And my mom's like, no, no, no. Oh, it affected me so much. I know I was mad at my mom for leaving my dad. Like, oh, my God, I have to change schools now. I can't. I wanted to go to another school, but now I have to go to this one that I don't want to go. I know that the people are going to be mean to me and, like, I don't know these people, like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to go to this school. I hate going to this school. I don't want to, like, I don't want to move. Like, I like where I live now. I'm like, I don't want to move away from here. Cynthia and Maggie found out that they have a little brother from their dad's other relationship. Cynthia went to stay with their aunt, and Maggie and their mom moved into a new place. That sounds like a lot of changes. Yeah, so I was, like, kind of scared, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Like, what's going to happen? That's why I was, like, always asking what's going to happen. So that's life at home. And life at school, which is middle school at this point, is also really hard. So I was in class, and we were all sitting down. The teacher was lecturing us. And I was wearing a pink shirt, and this person told me I had a bug in my shirt. 
So then I was like, oh crap, really? She's like, yeah, check your shirt, you know? And I checked my shirt and I had a bug in my shirt. And I got up quickly and I was like, oh my God, this can't be happening. So I like literally got up really fast and ran to the restroom and everybody was laughing hysterically at me. And I went to the bathroom and I was so embarrassed. Yeah, and then I went back to the classroom and I told the teacher, I was like, oh, sorry, I had to use the restroom and everything. He's like, it's fine, you know, like, that sucks what happened to you, you know? I was like, yeah, it does. I don't know, just a lot of things, like, that were not cool happened to me. So, yeah. that that was embarrassing. I, I still remember that, and I'm, and I'm already, like, somehow that bug ended up in my shirt. I was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Inside. It was like... Inside my shirt. Inside? It was like right here. Oh, like by your bra? By my bra. What like the? inside my shirt. <laughs> I don't know how it ended up there. I was like, what the heck? Why did it end up in that place? Ay, ay, ay. So that's middle school. But Cynthia eventually has to go to high school, and she has really high expectations for herself. I made myself a promise, like, to be a nice student, like, to always listen to the teachers and to not get in trouble. But like when I got into fifth grade all the way till high school, I was really bullied. And I was like always like lost. I was just like, and knew that if I made friends with anyone, I knew that those friends would then hang out with them. So I was like, why am I gonna be friends with any of these people? What would people do or say to you that was, that, that made you feel like you were being bullied? Well, people would talk about my weight, like, how I was like a big person or that I was big. So like there were sometimes like, I don't know, one person called me Mike Tyson in high school. So I was like, oh my gosh. It felt really like, wow, but I felt bad afterwards, but you know, I don't know. I just, you know, I had to like, okay, he said that, so what? You know, what happened, he said it, you know? One time in high school, I was opening my locker <laughs> and like someone pulled my bra, like yanked it, almost like pulled it and like, and ran off. And then the next day, like one of the people was like, oh yeah, trying to explain like why, why that happened. And then I told them, don't do that again because then you'll get in trouble. All you people will get in trouble or that person that pulled my bra will get in trouble. But I was so mad, I was like, oh my god. I was furious after that. And I told them, I was like, don't do that again. We're going to take another quick break. We're back, and Cynthia has told us what growing up with autism is like, but she's a grown-up now. She lives with her mom, with Maggie, and her dog, and this is what her days are like now. I walk my dog. I write in a journal. I try to write, but not a lot. Uh, sometimes I, when I get bored, I paint some things. Um, I clean my room <laughs> sometimes. I make my bed, I get ready, I change. <laughs> I, 
I sometimes I cook my own food. Um, you work out? Yeah, I work out. I sometimes when I'm not tired, I'm just like, I go work out, I go on a walk, like go to the gym, but when I can. But now, well, with the virus, I don't know. I haven't gone to the gym, so I usually just go on walks. What do you like to cook? I like to cook like I don't know. Like sometimes I cook with Maggie. We cook like healthy food sometimes. Like one time I cooked with her potatoes, like sauteed potatoes with like salt, pepper, <laughs> or you like huevos estrellados, or like sometimes with. Um, bacon or eggs with jamón, eggs con huevos con chorizo, not really, or like frijoles con chorizo. Some things are different than they were for her growing up, and some things just aren't. Cynthia, how do you think autism has affected you as an adult? Well, a lot, because when I go to the doctor, like, they're usually like, Oh, you're an adult now, so your parents can't be here with you, like your dad and your mom, because we have to ask you really personal questions. And that you're an adult now, so you have to talk with the doctor, not with your mom or your dad. And it's by law, so if you have a lawyer, you know, that, you know, who knows if, you know, they can be with you or not. Like, so your parents can't be here unless you have, like, like, I don't know, like, something, like, to for your parents to be around with the doctor. Or like when I'm at school and they're like, oh, do you want your parents to be here with you when we talk or not? Like they try to like confuse their educational talks so that they'd be like, oh, do you want your parents here or not? And still, I don't know. Uh, that's what like, since I was a minor, they would never ask me or do those things. But like, since I became an adult, like I don't even know who my physical doctor is, to be honest. I don't even know who she is or who he is because they keep changing doctors. Is it easy to make friends? Well, ever since, like, I've had, like, not good friends because they, like, sometimes had other things to do. Like, we're like, oh, I got to go now or whatever. Like, I don't know, just, like, trusting people is really hard for me because, like, also in the past, I didn't really have good friends. And it's just, like, I don't know, I just, like, it's hard for me to trust people, so it's really hard for me, like, to make friends and socialize with people. What is a good friendship? A good friendship is someone you can trust, someone, like, that cares, someone that doesn't do, like, shady things, just, like, tell you something and it's not true, like, doesn't, like, always, like, get you in trouble, like, just cares about you and just trusts you and you trust that person and you, you like, when you talk to that person, like, that person won't tell anything, like, won't say anything unless it's, like, you know, like, life or death. But, like, you know, that's what a true friend is for me. What do people do that makes you not trust them? Like, lies, gets me in trouble, like, always, like, say something that is not true. Like, doesn't, like, talk to you, doesn't answer your phone calls, always ignores you, like, you don't exist. There are a few specific situations in her adulthood that have made Cynthia wary of people, that have challenged or even destroyed her ability to trust. 
I was like in the living room or something downstairs and my computer started like making beeping noises and just really loud beeping noises. So I went upstairs to my room and was like, oh my God, what is going on? So then I, I checked on the computer and it was like beeping and couldn't stop. So I was like, oh my God, like how do I stop the beeping from making so much noise? So I was like, oh, maybe this number will help me stop the beeping, right? So then I called the number and I was like, oh my God, like my computer is making beeping noises. And then the people I answered were like, oh, well, how can we help? And I'm like, well, can you stop the beeping from making noises? And then they're all like, well, the only way we can stop it from doing that is if we can like fix your computer and fix everyone else's computer. And not only your computer, but the whole house. And for costs, that would be worth. So like, they said they would like have good Wi-Fi and this and that, like really good things on the computers and Wi-Fi in the house. So like, I didn't ask how much it was, but they're like, it's this much, you know, just pay this and then we won't, we won't bother you any, like you'll have really good service. And so they're like, oh, like, uh, what's the log? They did, did they ask for the login to my computer? I don't know, so they don't I, talk to them, but it's yeah. just, they were pretty much trying to sell her like an antivirus. They were like the trying computer. to sell like really good, like antivirus on the computer. Like trying their best to like really sell that to me. I was like, oh, I'm like, and I was all interested, like, oh, like I'll like help my mom, my dad, we have really good service, blah, blah, blah. So what ended up happening? So what ended up happening was they asked for my credit card, which was... Well, yeah. So then I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm saving my family for the wi good Wi-Fi and stuff. So I gave them the number of the credit card and they're like, oh, okay. And then, and then they're like, oh, okay. We'll, ha we'll have this signed for you. So like a lot of like to sign in came up on the computer. So then they signed my name on it, on the, on the computer. And they were like, oh, thank you very much. And like, I don't know, it just like seemed weird. So I told my mom, mom, like, you guys are gonna have good Wi-Fi and everything. I helped you guys. And then my mom was like, yeah, que hiciste? She's like, what did you do? And then she, my mom was like, oh, heck no. So she went to like, she called my dad and my dad like, okay, my dad had to come over to the house. He's like, oh, what's the number? And he, I'm gonna call them right now to give us back the money that, that they stole from us, that they stole. So my dad called the number and was like, hey, like, why, why are you doing that? You know, like, after that happened, like, I literally, like, threw the computer on the floor. I was, like, crying and I was like, I'm never gonna have a credit card ever again. Like, I'm never going to do this again. Like, never, I'm never gonna go to the bank and get a credit card. That's how scared I was. Like, I'm still scared to even have a credit card. That's how scared I am. Like, that was like, oh my gosh, like, this is not fair. Like, why would they, like, do this, you know? It was just... Yeah, cool. I mean, I can understand why it would be hard for you to trust someone. Yeah, and because some, like, no one has to go through that. At school, too, right? With the whales? Yeah, <laughs> when I was... Wait, what do you mean with the whales? Like, you were at school, and then they're, like, save the whales or something like that. Oh, yeah, and I was at school, <laughs> and, like, I was walking, going home, and some people were, like, oh, like, can you help us save the animals and, like, save the whales, like, save animals. And they were trying so freaking hard so that I can, like, give money so that they could save animals and, like, all the plastic and stuff and animal and the animals, right? The animals? Yeah. 
And the only reason I caught it because obviously we had a joint account and I kept seeing a withdrawal of like $13. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, you know, so I ended up calling and I found out what it was. And then I was like, oh, so yeah. they, were, they try like people just try so hard to get money from you. And like they like try to convince you to like pay for their cause. But all that it is just they're just taking like your money. We did. But we, I think so. we saved some whales. It's OK. Yeah. But still, like people are just so manipulative and like. So, I don't know, there's people that are, like, really malicious people, and they just want to, like, they just want it for their own, like, that That might be their job to, like, get money, you know? <laughs> that probably is their job, and they're just, like, trying to, like, convince you that it's not, or, yeah. like, that that they want to save their cause or something, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see why that would be, that would make me really, really nervous. Yeah. Cynthia's autism looks different than it did when she was a little kid. Like, she doesn't do that thing where she puts her hands up against her chin and pushes and pushes until her chin and her hands ache. But I have other bad habits that is, like, hard, still hard to not do. What are some of those habits? Uh, I think my one habit is standing, like, when I listen to music, I just get really excited. Or when I get excited about watching a, a show or anything that looks like that's really emotional, I start jumping or I I put my hands over my face. I really, really like I plaster it on my face really hard. Or when I stand up, I just, you know, rock back and forth. It's really bad. Why is it bad? Because I do it a lot and it's hard to not do it <laughs> to stop. Does it feel good to do it or bad to do it? It feels like really like, oh my God, like it feels nice. It feels good doing it, like relief, like that I did it afterwards. Yeah. So why is it bad? It's bad because I know that my parents are like, oh, don't do it anymore. Like, stop. That's why your back hurts. And that's why your hands hurt because you always do that. Stop doing it. You can't do it anymore. You got to stop. I'm like, oh my, I know, but it's so hard to stop. If you don't do it, what does your body feel like? Uh, if I don't do it, my body feels like it hasn't had like enough of that, of that. Like it hasn't, it needs it. It needs like for me to do that. Movement and music are a big part of Cynthia's life. Uh, rock music. EDM. EDM, exciting. <laughs> it just makes me like pump up like when I'm working out or it makes me want to like work out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I, I think that there's like science behind that too. Like yeah. you're supposed to listen to like a certain speed of music and it makes you want to work out. I don't listen to that kind of music. Or, I like, listen to sad music. Or I, listen, I listen to sad music too. Like really sad. Yeah, what's your favorite sad music? I don't know, a lot of music. That I, that I listen to, that is really sad. She does listen to a lot of sad music. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot. I think for this episode, we might need you to make us a Spotify playlist to oh go with it. Oh, my God. Come on. Are you serious? Cynthia? Yes, I'm serious. Yes. Oh, wow. It's, my music is not, not really happy. That's fine. Neither am I. That's okay. <laughs> That's all Lauren listens to, too. Huh? That's all she listens to, sad music. Ah, okay. Uh, what do you think that people 
don't understand about people with autism. They just don't get it. I don't know, like, oh, it's really hard to explain these, like, how it feels, but they don't, like... What do you wish they, they understood? Like, other people, like, would just understand those that are, like, more vulnerable and, like, are more shy and can't really socialize instead of judging and, like, saying, oh, like, this person's too shy or too quiet. Like, oh, my God, let's, like, judge and not talk to her. And they don't, like, really judge, but they're just like, oh, let's not, like, pre let's pretend that she does not exist. So I, like, feel like people should understand more, like, how it feels to... That, that those are that are on the outside like not judge like to like really understand how it's like why those that are can't socialize or like like do you sometimes feel like you're on the outside oh all the time like when i'm like somewhere and i'm like oh my gosh like people are like more with their friends and stuff and i'm just like well you know just feel like it's i'm like the on the outside looking in well, that's how it feels all the time. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McNerney. Our production team is Marcel Malikibu, Phyllis Fletcher, Hannah Meekock-Ross, Jordan Turgeon, and Jacob Maldonado-Medina. Our theme music is by Joffrey Lamar Wilson. We are a production of American Public Media. And this was recorded in my closet, which is where we record things. We are just little, little closet dwellers recording a podcast. American public media, the P, 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 what does the P stand for? Public. It stands for public media. What does that mean? It means that we get support from, I mean, God willing, advertisers and also from the public, from our listeners. And just, you know, I've just been making some little some little thank you notes for people who have supported our show in the past. And here are the people we are thanking today. We are thanking Anne Patterson, who said that she donated because she loves the show. Thank you, Anne. Short and sweet. We love it. Um, Byron Keller, big thanks. <laughs> <laughs> who donated because Nora McInerney is my favorite founding father and the greatest American hero of all time. I'm not going to argue with that. Please earmark my funds for the Help Nora Discover Words beginning with AP and them research and development team. Byron, we are on it. And I got to say, we're not coming up with much. We're not coming up with much. I really hope that you are not disappointed in where your donation went. Also, big thanks to Sarah Dang, who said, this podcast is so helpful to me personally and professionally. It's a part of my week. And I'm so grateful for all involved in the production. Sarah, we're grateful for you. So thank you. Thanks for thanking us. We thank you for thanking you. All those, all the above. Okay. Big, just con just a circle of thanks. Welcome to the thank you circle. And guess who else is in the thank you circle? Dina, Andre, thank you so much. Really, it really means a lot. She said she loves the honesty about the stories and people Nora speaks to because it feels like a real conversation. 
No filters or added shit to just make the story sound real. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate all of you so much. Whether or not you donate to the show, honestly, there's so many ways to support a show. Donating is one. Listening is one. Rating and reviewing it. on. It's just like having a podcast, just like a, a, a constant form of like being uh, being begging people for things like we beg for your time we beg for your money um and now i will just sit quietly in my closet and hope that the children still think i'm recording because as long as i come out and yell like i'm recording then they're quiet and then they don't knock on the door and if this sounds depressing it's because it is it's because i'm currently depressed but but we're going to be okay we're going to be okay <laughs> 